everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike. I'm joined as always by the master of receipts, Mr. NYJ Matt. And Matt, this right now is one of the most upsetting and difficult Mondays in a long time as a Jet fan. And we're in the midst, right this second, of a potential quarterback controversy. It was brutal. The two things that kill me after the loss is obviously if you win that game, you're in first place in the AFC East. You lose it, you're in last and out of the playoff picture at this moment. The other thing is the monumental mountain in front of you that you can't get past the New England Patriots. I think the Jets have better personnel than the Patriots. At quarterback, no, and at head coach, still you know, probably no at this point. And you can't get by them. 14 straight, sickening team. We've talked about it before. A guy like Josh Allen, too, I, I kind of like them as dudes, but fuck them as a competitor. I hate Mac Jones with all my heart. And the fact that he went 85% and 250 was brutal. To your point, brutal, brutal loss. I can't even imagine being in a world where this team, who has been so fun to watch all year, could be on the outside looking in if they have a loss to the Bears this weekend. Because given the tiebreakers, this team really needs that win. And to your point, Zach Wilson, one of the worst quarterback performances we've ever seen from a Jets quarterback, and that's saying a lot. It wasn't a professional performance, and that is the you know why the loss stings extra. You lose on a last-second punt return, which is something we've really only seen like one time in our lifetimes, which is the Deshaun Jackson-Matt Dodge game. Yeah. Um, in a pivotal game, you know, the power index had this again as – the most important game pre-Thanksgiving of the season in the NFL playoff implication wise. So to lose that way is disturbing. You know, I was watching a game at the bar with some of my friends and I just like collapsed on the ground. Um, yeah. It kept feeling too like, all right, this is a drive where you can flip the script in the whole game. You can change everything that just happened. And that happened like nine times. And I kept yeah. thinking the defense has to break at some point they have to, and they're going to give up a few first downs. We're going to lose on the last second field goal. And this is coming off of a bye week. You came off of a bye and put up zero effort, zero offensive juice. And then the only time that you had one real drive where you scored points, the Mims ball was like very badly thrown with the wind coming back. Like that probably shouldn't have even been a catch. It could have been Just OPI. Yeah. Pitiful performance. All well, that's around. the problem. So yeah. to lose that way is so sickening. And then to lose that way and to then have to, reevaluate your whole offense is just even worse because again, the Jets didn't really deserve to win that game at the Patriots missed two kicks. Um, the defense of course was, was championship level on Sunday, which is yesterday. Um, but yeah, so to not only to lose that way, but then to have to go back and say, look, our second year quarterback probably isn't the guy. It's just, it's really, really shitty. It's frustrating. It's just it's the worst in the most important game in many years, and again you could have said that the the Buffalo game was the most important game in many years, and Zach did he played all right. You know he played we said he played well. Um, that can't be the best game ever that you have. It's throwing for 150 yards and, and no interceptions. You know hallelujah. Should have been picked off three times yesterday. He should have been picked off before the the punt return touchdown. Um, yep. But the video is circulating on Twitter of just wide open guys down the field. Because I thought the and, and something that people aren't talking about, you are playing with your third string right guard and third string right tackle, which makes things difficult. I thought Zach had time to throw. The run game was obviously horrifying, but 
Yeah, I feel like the pocket was there enough where you you could have put together a 14 70, 17 point effort, right? And the, I'm really numb to the punt return. Like it's bizarre for me to say that. I just felt so broken from all those opportunities where you go three and out. You go three and out six straight times in the second half, and then you get a first down with more. And the the clock management to end the game is Brutal. something that should be written about in history books. So no other, even a Pop Warner coach doesn't do that. I, I get it, right, at first, but then you lose 20 seconds, and the whole argument they're going to make is we didn't want to have the Patriots get the chance to get the ball back. You're playing at that point for a tie and for overtime. You call that out. And then on third and one, Wilson misses more on the shallow cross. I get it. I If you run the ball there and get stuffed, I couldn't hate it. But they couldn't complete a pass to save their life. They're a nine for 22. You're going for a pass play on a gotta-have-it third and one. I don't know if that's the right. And you couldn't run the ball at all either. But that that play, Carter was open originally. He didn't go there. He looked at Moore, who was open, went back to Carter. And then that play took everything out of me where I was like, this team's going to lose on a last-second kick in overtime. It's going to happen. And as soon as he, I thought that, punt return touchdown. Well, yeah, and the, the problem, too, at the end of the game with the management was you get the ball with a minute and 52 seconds left on your own 20-yard line. You get bailed out, which it probably was defensive holding. Mims got kind of murdered on the play. But Zach Wilson gets murdered on that play for the 10,000th time. You're like, all right, we got to stop him again somehow. You get that break. Now I'm looking at the times. There's a minute and nine seconds left, and the Jets have the ball on their own 33-yard line in that third-and-one situation. So, to your point, if they did run the ball, run the ball then. Or at least wait till there's 40 seconds left and run the ball. But don't call the timeout and then not run the ball or not, you know, run this stupid play where, you know, Zach can't see Elijah more in the middle, whatever. And it looked like he was going to throw it to Michael Carter no matter what in the flat. Um, but if you use your timeout there, then there's no chance you possibly score. So the Jets weren't playing to win. But if there's more than a minute left and you have two timeouts and you're on your own near the 35-yard line, you have to try to win the football game. You have to do it. Unbelievable. Yeah. You're and, a, and a again, real team. Yeah. You, you're, you're a real, real NFL team. team if you go for that. You have to do it. It's unbelievable. I was freaking out. And again, so over a minute left, you want the clock to run down a little bit so the Patriots don't have time to score. Of course, fine. They've been doing that a lot this year. They kind of cut it close in some of these games. But honestly, every situation they've done it, it's worked. The end of the, the first half in, in the Browns game, in the Steelers game, the same thing happened, and it worked both times. But this time it's unexcusable. Again, if you are going to run the football, if you, whatever you're going to do, if you're going to use a timeout, you have to run the play first, or else there's literally no chance you score points on that drive, and you're just playing for a tie, like you're playing for overtime. What's going to change in overtime? You still have to score in overtime. You're 100% right. And then if you're showing that, hey, we don't want to give the ball back, then how are you throwing the ball on third and one then? Like that, yes. that's never, it never adds up. If you're telling me the blame on this game right now, it is 85% on Zach Wilson, maybe even higher. I'll put a little bit on the end of the game with Salah, not being able to have him and LaFleur Lef make an adjustment to be competitive in the second half. And yeah, 0% definitely of, didn't call yeah. a great game, but, but. You know, then you see the videos today of guys running wide open down the field and, you know, got him hit one of these throws. You needed one chunk play in this whole fucking game. And even in the end of the first half, the Jets solid with a great coaching decision to call the timeouts against the Patriots right before they have to get an extra possession. The Jets have the ball near their own 40 yard line. You get one playoff and it was one kind of playoff. Weird, it was a weird play by the ref. He's like standing in front of the ball, whatever. But you have to have more than one you have to run more than one play there there was a chance you get a field goal there that's the game 
it's unbelievable. And I have to make one quick call out that means nothing to the overall game, but Elijah Moore's kick return to end the game was, was idiotic. And I tweeted out such, and I got murdered on Twitter for saying it. It has nothing to do with the true outcome of the game. However, if you feel the ball and don't take a knee immediately, you have to do a lateral play or run. You can't step out of bounds with zero seconds on the clock. Idiotic, whatever. Who cares? Overall, I oh, dude, I was like it. shocked that he didn't throw the ball back into the field. He just I, ran out of bounds. He's an asshole. <laughs> I cannot believe how great, how phenomenal the defense played. After the yeah. first play of the game, they get that pressure. There was a bit of a lull where they weren't getting pressure. Mac Jones had too much time. And the moment we were like, hey, let's figure this out, they went off. Quinnen, JFM, Lawson, everyone was yeah. flying around the field. Huff had a big sack. Even the corners too. Yeah, a huge, very, very timely. The fourth and one stand was great. And even DJ Reed, who gave up a little more completion than we're used to, bounced back and had a good second half. Sauce was great as always. Holy shit, the defense was phenomenal, and they deserved a lot yeah. better than they got from the offense. It seemed like the defense probably really executed their game plan, which was, you know, like, obviously nothing over the top. Mac Jones going to dink and dunk a little bit. Uh, we got a tackle, which they didn't tackle very well. Um, Try to limit those running backs. But, yeah, it was like every time the Patriots got near the Jets' side of the field, there would be a big sack, a big tackle for a loss. Um uh, there was the one fumble the Jets didn't fall on. I also, the one other thing I thought during the game, I would have challenged the sauce force fumble and returned to the one yard line. I don't personally think it probably would have been a fumble, but I would have burned a challenge there and at least tried. You never know. Bad by the refs. Keep the call on the field, automatically review it. So you don't have to even, even if it's the other way around, like I, if I'm a Patriots fan, if that happened to me, I'd be like, just keep the call. So that the review happens, we don't have to burn a timeout. Like both, I feel like anytime any team is in that scenario, it's not biased to say, let let's not have a team burn a timeout for no reason and having to challenge it. Keep the call in the field. That was ridiculous. But I I honestly would have called it an incomplete pass. But you're right. The fact that you got two feet down and you go to turn, maybe it's a it if you call, keep the call in the field, that's where keeping the call is important because maybe you can't overturn it. And that would have really helped out the Jets case and putting them at the five yard line. Yeah. But anyway, so the Jets lose in horrific, horrific fashion. And now, just moments ago, Robert Sala was late to his press conference. All of the beat reporters are freaking out. Um, they thought they they really think Jets. I think <laughs> Jets tank on Twitter at a great point. He's like they think they're in the White House press secretary room. Like they think they're that <laughs> important. Good. So uh, before we get there, though, yeah, the game ends, and Zach Wilson's post game comments. Right. Well, exactly. It feeds into the whole situation. You know, Zach Wilson comes out looking like a pompous, you know, stuck-up douchebag. And that's just what it looked like. Of course, he's asked the question, did you feel like you left the, left the defense down? And his response was, uh, you know, like a snarky no. You know, and then some Jets players today are liking tweets about that and then saying that they didn't mean to do it. I mean, how many people are going to like a tweet that was anti-Zach Wilson say I didn't mean to like it? Like, how many times <laughs> is that going to happen? Yeah, so... So honestly, the probably the worst day I've ever seen from a Jets quarterback in terms of on and off the field all at once. And it just, you know, again, we are we are very patient fans in the sense that you just don't know what's going to happen in the future. You can always make the example, hey, look, what if the Bills moved off of Josh Allen too early? You know, Zach's played, what, 19 games. He's raw. He's young. We are at the point where it looks like the Jets may make a change at quarterback, and I don't think any of the fan base is against it. 
it's more of the fact of who the fan base wants the Jets to replace Zach Wilson with. Yes, and we kept saying this time is going to come once the losses took over. Like five and one, you can still argue. I know wins, people don't think it's a QB stat, but you're five and one. The team is moving. The defense is playing better when Zach Wilson's on the field. Like things started going the right way, but you can't lay an egg in this type of game. And it's the way that he laid the egg, which was embarrassing. I, I'm very much of the opinion that right now, since you are in the middle of a playoff hunt, give me the guy that gives you the best chance to beat the Chicago Bears on Sunday. If it was a year yes. where you're four and six, if they're five and seven, if things are flipped differently, I understand with trying to find out what you have in Zach Wilson and getting every ounce of talent out of him to see if he's the guy in the future. Yeah, this- or or even if it's like a if it's like a fluky six and four, whatever, but the Jets have a legitimate championship type defense. Which we know now. We didn't know that in the beginning of the year. And it didn't look like it in the beginning of the year. Think about the first three games. They'll have 24 points to the Ravens, 20, 30 points to the Browns, and 28 points to the Bengals. And we're like, where's this defense? Blah, blah, blah. Fire Jeff Ulbrick. Now it's like, dude, the Jets have a legitimately sick defense, an elite defense, multiple all-pro kind of guys, multiple other Pro Bowl kind of dudes. The scheme is working. Everything is working. They're shutting people down. Really good teams in really tough situations on the road, in bed, in you know, different ways. Other conditions doesn't matter. Shutting people down. That's that's personally why I'd go with Flacco in this situation. Well, I well, I'd rather if if the yeah. Jets were going to move off of Zach Wilson. And again, I agree with your point. If you're not in this exact situation, it, there's this is probably the one situation where you you would even think about moving off Zach this year. But I want a professional guy. You don't know what Mike White will do, which is the problem with Zach too. You know what Flacco will do. People saying Flacco didn't really give him a chance to win the first three games. Um, my argument would be he won one of the games and threw four touchdowns. And then the other two games, uh, you know, he wasn't great. But the but Jets Mike, defense they, also hasn't exactly. won up that many points. Think about what, the what first three games, the Jets defense gave up 24 or more every game. They haven't and, since. And they, they haven't given up more than 20, more than yeah. 20, one time. The Pittsburgh, they gave up 20. Yeah. Every other team inside that 20 number. So you're yeah, a hundred twenty. Correct. Yeah, they gave 22 to the Pats, but there's some weird stuff from the Jets' offense in that game. Oh, you're clear, uh, right? Yeah, and Nanya had a great tweet. Right, Nanya had a great tweet today where he he tweeted out the Jets have allowed 13 points per game on, on defense on drives that have started outside of the Jets' side of the field. So in- it's incomprehensible how crazy that stat is, by the way. It's unbelievable. It's a terrific, terrific defensive season. And that's why I want Flacco. Everyone said it yesterday. All you have to do is not be horrific. We don't know if Mike White's going to be horrific. So play Joe Flacco and and let the defense carry you to the playoffs. Uh, that would be my hope. But I don't know if the Jets are going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And coming off of the Michael K show right now, which is taking place at the same time of recording, Zach Wilson did approach Salah about the postgame comments and how they came off badly. And Salah and him had a conversation about it. Um it's more, about, it's more about the play on the field for me. Yeah, I know yeah. that it's fair, but I do think you could lose a locker room, especially the defense, if you just don't say, I got to play better. And I feel like he, what he tries to do is, even in the very good moments, though, he, he doesn't take the credit. Like he, he thinks it's good to always be middle and yes. just even the good and the bad, just, it's no one's fault. We're going to be okay. Everyone knows what we're doing. But the, the tone deaf nature of doing that. When the the way they lost of how phenomenal the defense was, and again the defense didn't give up the game winning touchdown. It's on a punt coverage, so you're you're even, and then you just come off like a pretentious douchebag. So 
obviously a terrible post-game presser, but going into now your point of Sunday, so who should start a quarterback? Pretend right now that Salah comes out and says, we are benched. He, you know, Zach Wilson's benched. He's out. Obviously, your team, Flacco. I, if you're putting a gun to my head right now and you tell me you pick someone who has the best chance to win on Sunday, I am picking Joe Flacco every time. The argument that is going to be made, and there's it's twofold. One, if the O-line continues to get to, you know, be unhealthy, give up pressures, Mike White gives you a better element of getting out of the pocket. Not he's not like a he's not even a better runner than Zach Wilson, but he can get out of the pocket. Point one. Point two, and this is a major issue, is that Jets started elevating White three weeks ago, meaning that he got all the second team reps in practice, and Flacco is likely getting bare minimum or clipboard duties and just being at practice as like a mentor. So arguments be made, is he game ready based on not practicing for three weeks or just being a random like QB three? They elevated him for these reasons. And Mike, I'm going to be very, very honest. Gun to head who I would pick is Joe Flacco. I think the Jets are starting Mike White on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that's the, based on that, it, it, it makes the most sense because, you know, if Joe Flacco was the number two quarterback, Right now, we would probably think that the Jets would start Joe Flacco. And then the other argument in Mike White's favor is you don't know what Mike White can do. Maybe he'll, you know, maybe he's great. You know, (laughs) we don't know. So, and that's the thing. We do kind of know what Flacco is at this point of his career. So if the Jets want to try to catch lightning in a bottle and you start Mike White, who has produced lightning in a bottle before, maybe you get lucky and he's somehow insane. And they've been watching him practice the last few weeks. So if they go that route, I understand. I, I know why I personally would like Flacco. And again, it seems like all the Jets need to do in these games is score 17 to 20 points, and you should win every week. even No matter who they play, they're playing terrific offenses. They're playing Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They beat Josh Allen. You stop Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, even yesterday, a team that the Jets obviously have lost 13, 14 times in a row to, you hold them to three points in offense. So if, if you want to guarantee me, 17 points i'll take flacco but if the jets want to try to catch lightning in a bottle and if mike white looks better in practice i understand and honestly i think you're right i think that's what will happen i don't think flacco is going to start almost solely based on the fact that they bumped him in the rotation in the depth chart for mike white agreed um quinn williams again eight sacks in a year now just an absolute threat in both the run and pass game it, it makes me smile just even talking about quinn unbelievable performance Six different players had a sack yesterday it's phenomenal Lawson hitting five on the year and you have several guys that are around that two and a half three sack range um sauce Gardner gets his 14th pass defended a lot of good mike also, Justin Fields being a little banged up could impact his um, – do you hear it? Did you, see, did you see what they said? They said he's either day-to-day or out for the year. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> it's really – I don't. I want to see, like, the context of that quote, If see if he's, like, giggling, just, like, basically doing, like, gamesmanship, or he, like, genuinely made that comment, which would be – I was reading through some comments. I didn't hear the actual quote, but I was reading it on Twitter, and people were, like, some Bears fans were getting annoyed that he's not very um, – what's the word? You know – he doesn't just never very blatant, not very blatant. Yeah, with his uh, injury report, which is also how the Jets are, which is kind of annoying. Uh, C C C Corey Davis, who was questionable to return fucking a month ago and has still been out, so it'd be nice to get him back. Yeah, one more take on Fields. I think he is going to be shut down for the game, and the reason I do believe that 
is he has been getting banged up the last four weeks. But in doing that, he has shown that he should deserve a year three and he can be the franchise quarterback of the Bears. So why, one, risk him getting more hurt um, on an away game in an environment where you're playing a phenomenal defense and you could argue, right, get – who's their backup, Simeon? Yeah. So you get a guy out there and feel, and also like if you lose that game, you get a little bit better draft stock because they lost their one last year. Yeah. And so also I, the, the yeah. Bears have the buy in two weeks also. So that's another reason you might just sit him out against the Jets yeah. and the Packers and let him go. That would be terrific for the Jets. The Bears traded both of their best defensive players this year, Robert Quinn and uh, Roquan Smith. So and they've allowed a, a ton of points the last few weeks. The last four games, the Bears have allowed 49, 35, 31, and 27 points with the last two weeks being against the Lions and the Falcons, not the most high-powered offenses. So, you know, that if the Jets play a, a Justin Fields-list Bears against their old friend Trevor Simeon, you have to feel obviously great about that game and, and the chance to get to 7-4. and four, which, you know, very exciting. And if the Jets can get any kind of normal professional quarterback play, you're you're looking at a, a really good situation. Uh, and But then you got a scoreboard watch. You, got, you need the Bengals to lose. You need the Patriots to lose. You need the Chargers to continue to lose. So it, it's it's tough. Obviously, the Jets got bumped out of the, the top seven yesterday once the Bengals won. Yeah, tiebreakers are tough right now, but they can steal a tiebreaker against Miami. Um, if they do beat Miami head-to-head and Buffalo runs the division and wins it, uh, the Jets could uh, clearly knock out Miami if they can steal a game down there if they end up with the same record and they go 2-0 against them. Um, other I'm, quick- looking at the, I'm looking yeah. at the Bengals. The rest of their schedule is very difficult also. They go to Tennessee. They play the Chiefs. Then they play the Browns with Deshaun Watson at Tampa Bay, at the Patriots, home against Buffalo, home against the Ravens. Very good. So, so the Jets have an easier path to 10 wins than the Bengals do. Completely agree. Also, big by Philly being the Colts. I got shit on on Twitter because I said that we like a a, a watch game for Jets fans is the Eagles Colts game to really bump them Definitely. out of it. Um, people are like, oh, they're clearly going to win. Colts very much controlled the first three quarters of that game. Insane decision, by the way. Did you see that game? The Eagles went for it on fourth and ten from the forty-five for no reason. I didn't see that. I saw the Eagles. One of the dumbest plays of all time. They were trying to draw the Colts off sides on yeah. fourth and two, down six, and they went into the the victory, victory formation. formation. That was <laughs> so stupid. That was insane. So, well, hey, I know you got to run soon. Let's let's yeah. wrap it here. I think we can check a few boxes right now. Very important. You tell me yes or no. Yeah. General Manager Joe Douglas. Check what do you mean? as like a long term yes. guy. Terrific. Yes. Head coach Robert Sala. Yes, I do. I do love Sala. Yeah. Because remember, the thing with Sala, real quick, was that we the culture was A plus 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 X's and O's. We weren't sure. His scheme has been working. Yes. Awesome. Uh, defensive side of the ball and the free agent acquisitions and the, the sprinkle and the draft picks where you can build not only a good defense for this year, but a very, very elite defense for two to three more years. Has been unbelievable. Check. Skill position players drafted. Hall, check. Big, Carter, big check. Big check. Yes. And we don't even know the, the true ceiling of a Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore until... The quarterback plays gets up there. So all that to say, let's do one more. 
offensive line went healthy and the investment that the Jets have made in the offensive line. I appreciate the investment in the offensive line, especially with the two first-round picks. Um, plus, Joe Douglas did enough to shore up tackle despite a thousand injuries at the same position. So I'm happy with the offensive line. Not thrilled, but you but you also you lost your best player and an all pro type guy. Yeah. So so you checked you checked all of those checked. boxes and, and clearly the one that needs to be checked is the quarterback. And given where the Jets are going to finish, um I don't think this ready win now team will touch a quarterback. Now, albeit if you like a guy like you've seen guys like a Jalen Hurts go a little bit late in the draft, you really like a guy, maybe you jump and, and burn a pick there. If you don't want to take a second round safety linebacker, third round safety linebacker, I get it. They're going to invest in quarterback in the offseason. And I think it's going to come down to four guys. I want to okay. get your take on all four guys. I'm going to go from least likely to most likely. Let's do it. Least likely number four, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I don't see the Ravens at all, at all, letting him. You can't, let, you can't let that guy out of the building. You cannot do it unless he somehow forces himself out. Then, of course, yes, clear, clear as day. MVP, right. you know, him and Brees Hall. What the? What do you even do? Yep. Number three, Kirk Cousins. I think yeah, the like doesn't look like Kirk's going anywhere now. I but. agree. I agree, but the cap hit. If the Vikings do come to a spot where they get a first round exit, like I could see very well people in Minnesota freaking out, Kevin O'Connell wanting his own guy, but he's still a name that's technically a, a, a person that could be moved in the offseason. I absolutely love Kirk Cousins, one of the statistical best quarterbacks of the last four or five years. He's nine games over 500 with the Vikings, even though everyone says it's a weird contract, blah, blah, blah. The Vikings, of course, have a negative point differential this year, despite being what eight. Two, uh, so people call fraud, whatever. I don't, he's been terrific cousins for years. I tweeted once that I would sell both of my sisters to for the Jets to get Kirk Cousins before I had this NYJ Mike account. So I always wanted cousins, and I would be happy if the Jets got him. Number two, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, yeah, look again, any of the four guys, and the fourth guy is going to be Derek Carr. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would, I like Jimmy G a lot too. Jimmy G, obviously. Knows, you know, familiar with Salah. He's more than a game manager. Guy threw for around 4,000 yards last year. He's thrown as many as 27 touchdowns. Um, hasn't been very good in the playoffs, but also has done what he's needed to do, you know, in most of those games. So I'd be happy with Jimmy G. I think he'd probably be also the easiest to acquire. So what do you think about Carr? Carr gives you the highest upside. If you're asking me to give me one guy to win a game – I would argue that Jimmy Garoppolo has done that enough in his career under a really good head coach at Kyle Shanahan. When he's healthy, that that team hums. When he's not healthy, that team sucks. The problem with Carr is statistically dominant. Um, the team doesn't win. And hopefully you can chalk it up to the Raiders just sucking. Like every year, it's like Raiders lead the league in penalties. Um, their scumbag first-round picks get cut and arrested. Like there's reasons why this team as a whole isn't competing. When, when all is said and done, the the best scenario for this Jets team is to end the year by sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card team and playing competitive football in the playoffs. Albeit, win game, lose game, that's the best scenario for the Jets. The worst scenario you can have is Zach is benched, Zach comes back for a game or two, it's like all up in the air, and you finish realistically 9-8 and eight or 8-9 and nine where you're like, holy fuck, one of these games flipped and we're in the playoffs. In that scenario, 
Zach Wilson can't be the starting quarterback in the New York Jets next year because the locker room knows that the defense is too elite to, to play like that. And that doesn't mean he if he can't show in seven games that he's competent. But if you're getting benched right now and the whole locker room team knows it, I don't know how you can make a long-term investment into a full offseason, get free agency, get come here and get hyped up, knowing that this team is really a quarterback away from going to the playoffs. I completely agree. And you look at the team, it's a lot of young guys that just got drafted. They're all going to be here. So that compounds your point where you have the flexibility to go out and get a veteran quarterback, plug him right in. It's a great fit. The fifth guy that we did talk about, motherfucking Aaron Rodgers, baby. That is my dream scenario where the Jets get Aaron Rodgers for a year or two. Uh, I don't know if he hates people named LaFleur. I don't know what their <laughs> relationship is like if he wants to come play with another one. But I swear any of those four guys I think are terrific options for the Jets. Uh, with I, I think I would rather personally have Derek Hart than Jimmy G. I think those are the two most um, realistic options. Again, Derek Hart threw for 4,800 yards last year, led the Raiders to the playoffs. He makes all the calls of the line of scrimmage. Uh, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, even though he did a 14 last year, but he has five this year, single digits in two of those three years before that. Um, he was second in the MVP or third in the MVP in 2016, probably would have won if he didn't get hurt. Consistently good, over 4K, doesn't need to throw the ball a thousand times. So Carr's the guy that I would like. The one issue I have with him is that he likes God way too much. Derek Carr is annoying. Is it like, like what are him and Elijah Moore are going to be so annoying if, if the Jets get car? He's going to be tweeting about religion every second, but I'll take that if he does for 4K and leads the Jets to 11 wins. I can't believe he cried after the post. That was so imagine if Zach Wilson cried after the post game. Like, why is Derek Carr like it's the meme of like, um, <laughs> you know, it's like it's okay, and then the other one's like, go fuck yourself. Like, there's no way that Derek Carr can just cry in a post game press conference. Well, that's thing. what like, I mean with the religion comment. Like, he's like, a, yeah. he seems like a weird guy. Like, he doesn't seem like the coolest or most swagger infused dude. But like, Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl, should have won another one. So you don't need to be. And he's the corniest person in the, on earth. So I don't know. I would take Carr. I would take Jimmy G. I would take Cousins. And I dream for Aaron Rodgers. Agreed. Mike, hell of a podcast. Any parting thoughts for the listeners? I think this is a good one. Yeah, like the Jets are still six and four. So if you said before the season the Jets would be six and four, they'd have an elite defense. They're going to play the three and eight Bears at home the next week, probably without Justin Fields. You say, all right, man, let's let's do it. It's obviously disturbing that you drafted a quarterback second overall a year prior. He doesn't seem like he's the guy. Um, I'm not 100% out on Zach, I guess. You know, if he comes out and throws for 300 yards next week, who knows? But he's probably not going to come out at all. So yeah, you have some <laughs> you have a few people coming out in the woodworks of like, we yeah. remember you were team Darnold to like me and you. And we're like, yeah, but like that yeah. didn't work out either. So like maybe we would have been wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah, Darnold so can't even play over fucking PJ Walker. So. I think, and not to bring up again this bullshit, but Nanya posted it through 20 career games. Just look at passing touchdowns. And like, I get touchdowns can be misleading. You can get tackled at the one yard line. You can get, like, you can rush it in. Darnold threw for 28 touchdowns in his first 20 games. 28. So he's getting the ball and scoring touchdowns. And then he has to pass and lead an offense to get in the situation to score a touchdown. So that matters. Zach Wilson has 13. 13. So Darnold had double. So when people act like, why were we? Why were people like more bullish on 
Darnold. It's because we saw these signs, and truly, it took a masterclass of wrongdoing in 2020 for everyone involved for him to completely collapse. Yes, there were reasons we loved Darnold. It wasn't just random nonsense. And you know, he had he led the league in passer rating his final four games of his rookie year. Uh, and then in 2019, he goes seven and six as a starter. Those 19 touchdowns, 13 picks, 60 plus percent completion percentage. You're like, all right, these are things that your franchise quarterback is supposed to be doing. And then obviously it fell off the rails, but we haven't seen any type of consistent play like that with Zach Wilson uh, to go into that. And, and you could see that the fan base is not divided on this. They, most people, and it's probably a slightly bit premature, you know, for every single person to be like, Zach Wilson sucks at the same time. But all he's done this year is play like absolute dog shit and fold in the biggest games in many, many years. So it's very frustrating. He's played like a solid six quarters. That's it. Yeah. Maybe. And and I get it. I get it. Sometimes you have to play the, like we didn't draft him to be a boring game manager. You draft him to have an unleashed arm. It, like it just everything really is, is not coming up Zach Wilson. I think it's a deserved benching when it does come. Mike, it, we are in a spot, though, that you said it best. We are six and four, and we would have signed up to have this. And if you told us you're going to be six and four, taking on the three and seven Bears, but you have a major question at quarterback who laid an egg in the biggest game ever, you and I would be like, oh, start Joe Flacco. Like, genuinely start Joe Flacco. So it's how we it's how we got here, which is the problem. Um, if you win Sunday and you're seven and four, let's say we do win a home game against the shitty Bears team that will probably have a back quarterback. Do you think 10 wins gets it, or do they need to go four and two in the final six? I think 10 wins might get it just because of some of these other schedules for these teams. There's going to be a lot of tough games down the stretch. It's tough. It's tough to for there to be eight 10 win teams in the AFC, which is what would have to happen to just not to make it. Because the other thing, usually when you have a wild card that's very contested, there's a team that wins its division by playing like shit. And that's not the case. The Titans have seven wins, and they're going to play these teams down the stretch. Like we just talked about Bengals-Titans. Uh, the Chiefs are the other division winner. The whole AFC East is great. And the AFC North has you know some of those other teams, like the Ravens and the Bengals. So I I would be surprised in with the way that the, the league is shaping up if the Jets don't make the playoffs with 10 wins. But there's obviously uh, a route that that happens, which is, you know, fuck that, like 2015. I truly believe, and this is what I, I will clip it and we'll pull back up. I think they're going to have to win a head to head game the final week. Um, I think they're going to, I think there is going to be a moment where the Patriots, I don't think they're good enough. I think the Patriots run themselves out of the playoffs. And I think the Bengals can face a pretty damn hard schedule where it could be left up where you look at Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, take the divisions. I see a scenario, okay. right, where automatically it's like the Bengals run off enough wins, the Chargers can bump up a bit, and you look at now New England, you got to hope they fall off. And if you want to be that final team, you have to beat Miami head-to-head and take that tiebreaker from them. And that's why I think it's going to come down to the final week. Because, Mike, even if we're a game behind Miami going into the final week, one game behind them, right. a win flips it. So that's why it's like – I, I know scoreboard watching early is lame, but that's why I tweet out every single week. Why four, five weeks ago, I started tweeting it out because those little things truly matter. The Colts getting bumped up and knocked out huge, massive. The Colts need to then go undefeated now to have 10 wins and they're not going to do that. So like, that's why it's and that. Real, and real quick, before I have to run, listen to the Dolphins schedule. 
very difficult. The Dolphins do play the Texans at home this week, so you should win that game. But then they go to San Fran. They go to the Chargers. They go to Buffalo. They play the Packers at New England. And then, like you said, they host the Jets week 18. So good luck. Fuck them. Fuck Tua. Fuck Mac Jones. Fuck whoever returned the punt for a touchdown. Sadly, fuck Zach Wilson. And start Joe Flacco this week. And the Jets are going to make the playoffs. I love it. I love it, Mike. Great as always. We'll be back. We'll post this tonight. We'll get it out on time like I usually never do. Mike, I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, buddy. Peace. See ya. Shut up. Shut up.